Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Be Amplified, the podcast with Brian Thais, episode 57. Hey Amplifiers, welcome to Be Amplified, the podcast. My name is Thais. And I'm Bree Seeley. We are the co-founders of the Amplify Collective. A movement aimed at radically disrupting how purpose-driven women connect and operate in the world. Because we believe it's not just what you do, but who you are that matters. Each week, join us for messages and interviews that will leave you feeling amplified and ready to change the world. Let's do this. Hello, Amplifiers. It's Monday. Hey, it's Thais Sky. That's Bree Seeley. We sit in closets and talk all things truths. And um, we're here on this beautiful Los Angeles day. As always. As always. It's always beautiful in Los Angeles. 75 and sunny. We have a, okay, it is is fucking hot though this week. So I don't know. Not 75. Yeah. Um, But we have an incredible guest today. Lexi Panos comes to us also from Los Angeles. Um, although now she's kind of around the world. Yeah. Uh, so we have her on later and she's divine and speaks a lot of beautiful truths. Um, but before we bring her on, Brie and I are gonna, we're gonna do some riffing as per usual. Because that's what we do. Uh, what are we talking about today? We are talking about, don't you remember? We just talked about it. What are we talking about? I was just trying to be cool and ask you. (laughs) I was trying to be in conversation. We are talking about, we're going to talk a little bit about um, intimacy and not necessarily in like physical sex ways, although my mom would love it if we did, but more like intimacy in terms of um, the busyness that we all find ourselves in, the ways that we don't, um, we overload our lives. We have so much going on that we're unwilling to really be present and be connected to the things that are here. Right, mm-hmm. Thais? Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exa- yep. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about. The intimacy of our lives. What does it mean to be intimate in our lives? And by the way, it is the same. Uh, it's the same definition of intimacy with a partner. Like what's required for you to be intimate with a partner it requires your presence. It requires your engagement. It requires an open heart, right? Intimacy requires communication. Intimacy, requ- it requires a lot of things. And it's the same things that are required to be intimate with your life, except we're talking about life and not just uh, a partnership. Um, and so let's dive into this idea of being intimate with our lives. Let's. So one of the things that I have seen about intimacy and like I've kind of said in the little intro is 
we as humans tend to avoid things that are uncomfortable. Just, it's like the human condition. It's like our thing. We just don't want to be uncomfortable ever. So we just avoid the things that make us uncomfortable. Even if those things have ridiculously awesome, amazing, you know, expansive, crazy results, we still avoid them. And so instead of getting intimate with that avoidance, with that fear, with that hesitation that's coming up with our, within ourselves, we take on more things. We say yes to everything. We overload our calendars. We distract ourselves. Yeah, exactly. We find all of these ways. It's, it's like putting on one of those sumo suits, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got all of this padding, all these layers that are keeping you from really connecting with and being present with the thing that's there. Well, so I'm sure I've shared this in the past, but I've heard this somewhere and I loved it so much that busyness is an intimacy issue. Yes. Because um, fuck being busy. Actually, that was our first podcast episode of season two. Fuck being busy. You know, this idea of hustling, it sounds all sexy. It's not. What it sounds like to me is this organization and an inability to be intimate with the projects that you have at hand because you're constantly distracting yourself by trying to find more things to do instead of actually looking at why this problem, this challenge, this thing is, you know, why you're not fully giving it your all. Um, And um, it's a hard lesson to sit with. It's a, a hard thing to sit with because we're so conditioned to distract ourselves and we're so conditioned to look outside of ourselves and we're so, you know, conditioned to stay busy as a way of being productive member of society that what we really miss out on is the healing and the depth and the, and the benefits of intimacy, right? Like when you're intimate with your partner and you feel you're the receiving end of that intimacy, you feel seen, you feel loved, connected, you feel connected, you feel, um, uh, this love that we don't get to really feel in other ways and other places. And so this is what we are robbing ourselves of when we're not intimate with ourselves and in our lives. We miss this connection to something greater. We miss a presence. We miss being seen. And so then, of course, it makes sense that because we're not being seen in ourselves, by ourselves, we crave attention from others. We, you know, crave sexual attention. We crave um, a lot of men fawning after us. We crave all the other ways. Mm -hmm. Social media, um, you know, bad attention, quote unquote, to be seen, to be validated because we're not seeing and validating ourselves. So being intimate with ourselves is really important. uh, And being intimate in our lives is really important. And being intimate with others is really important. And we rob ourselves of all of those things by being busy and And being distracted. I would add being intimate with our businesses as well, because as entrepreneurs, I think this is like the trap is that we get so, we say yes to everything. And we just keep hoping that what, you know, the things we're saying yes to is going to take off. And we rob our, we deny ourselves from doing oftentimes, you know, the two things a day that would move the needle significantly further ahead than all of the 50 things on our to-do list. Um, But those things are easier because they don't cause discomfort. You know, sending out all these emails to people that are probably never going to respond to you is easy. Yeah. Actually picking up a phone and making one phone call is going to, you're going to have more resistance. You're going to have more discomfort with that. And so we avoid doing that. 
And in not getting intimate with our business, then we don't create the results that we desire either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, intimacy is important. So I do want to add another layer to uh, why we're not really intimate. That kind of plays off of what you said, Brie. Um, you know, what I've seen to be true is that um, ever since a very early age, we develop certain defensive mechanisms to protect ourselves from being hurt. Um, and we, we develop these patterns that keep us in a, in a cycle of being triggered and being defensive and being closed off. And so we enter this trance every once in a while where we're not even really aware that we're here. It's almost like we disassociate and we... Um, operate in this trance-like experience where we're constantly reactive and we're not really embodied or grounded. Um, you know, you you know that you're not embodied in your body. For example, when you accidentally leave a cup of coffee on top of your car and you drive away, or when you lock yourself out, or when you throw away your keys. Like these are all signs that you're not really paying attention to what's here. Or when you get to a location and you you pull up and you're like, wait, I don't remember a minute of the drive that yes. I just had. Yes. That's a yeah, so so that's distraction. That's not being, you know, that's being distracted. And then if we take it to the next level, that's being being in a trance is when you you, you don't even recognize that you're in a trance, but you can tell like you can tell that you're reacting and overreacting in ways that you feels a little bit superfluous for the circumstance. Um, and when we're in a trance, we're not in our bodies. When we're in our trance, we can't be intimate with what's here. When we're in a trance, we're disassociated. We're not grounded. Um, and so the, the invitation is to notice when you're being in a trance, notice what triggered the trance, notice the pattern, notice when you're disconnected from your body, and then bring yourself back to what is here, to your breath, to your physical body. That's, the body is a great pathway for our presence. If we can come back to the body again and again, we can start to address the trance. But we can't address the trance when we're in a trance. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so, Brie, why don't you tell us, you know, um, maybe an area of your life where you're having challenges being intimate with or, or, you know, an experience that you had where you had a challenge being intimate with um, an aspect of your life? Yeah. I mean, my thing lately, it's totally relating to my business is kind of what I said before that like, I have been avoiding, you know, a certain two tasks on my list for the last, I don't know, six weeks. And uh, they're the things that require me to show up in a really big way and, you know, face potential rejection and all of the things that we face that just are so fucking hard about being an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I've, I've kind of put today and tomorrow as the like the, the, the do or die kind of like you know, I, I really need to be more intimate in this area of my business. And, um, honestly, a lot of it is making a lot of phone calls mm. and, uh, there's, I don't, there's not much that's more intimate than getting on the phone with someone, get like a potential client and man, it's, it's stressful. And I, have been avoiding it and numbing myself from it and being distracted and all of the things for way too long. And it's something um, 
that I'm just, I'm really seeing is affecting my results. And I, I need to get to the place where I'm unwilling to accept anything different. And I don't know if I'm there yet, but working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and intimacy also has to do with like, well, what's stopping us from doing the task more so than just forcing ourselves to do the task. Yeah, because procrastination is just a symptom. Well, and sometimes procrastination is is, is um, intuition. Yes, that so yes, that is true. In the so there's two different things. So procrastination can either be you're procrastinating something because it's not right for you, and that's yeah. where your intuition comes in and says this isn't right for you. In my case, I'm procrastinating because I know it's the exact right thing for me. Yeah, and I'm not doing it. And, um, and yeah, of course there's stuff to look at there about like, what are the fears that are underlying that? What is the hesitation? What is the resistance? And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing today after I return all the, all the silverware and plates from our dinner party. Well, (laughs) and so I guess that's the point. That's the point of being intimate is like really being willing to ask yourself some of the harder questions instead of taking it for face value you know, really looking into what is here. Um, why is this relationship making me unhappy? You know, why is this, why do I continue to, you know, do the, engage in this activity even though I don't enjoy it? Like, why do I keep saying yes? Instead of taking things at face value, really asking ourselves the deeper questions. This is being intimate. This is saying, I'm willing to look and be seen. I'm willing to take my life seriously. I'm willing to not just live by default. Oftentimes too, I feel like we make things way more complicated than they need to be. Like asking yourself that question is so simple. And oftentimes the answer is so simple. Yeah. We, we keep ourselves from doing that. We have, you know, we fill our plates, we distract ourselves, we make things so fucking complicated. And really all it takes is just the sitting down and asking those questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Oh, and another way that you can tell, you know, when you are having the inability of being intimate um, is by how often you allow distractions into your life, right? So it's not a judgment, but notice if you're in a conversation with someone and you're standing right in front of them and then you just start pulling out your phone, right? And it's so that prevents you from being intimate with that person. You just blocked the energy and no one can multitask. So you are not fully listening to the conversation if you're also on your phone. Bullshit, right? So notice where you may be having a moment in line or, you know, talking to somebody or you're engaging in a task and then you find yourself on your phone. You find yourself checking social media. You find yourself, you know, being disconnected. That's a great place where you may be scared or not used to being intimate with the moment and here and what's here. Yeah. 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 So we um, are going to bring Alexi on in a minute. Yes. We'll be talking a little bit more about getting intimate with your life, how to uh, you know clear your plate a little bit and really focus on what's important. So any uh, last closing brilliance? <sighs> I don't know. This is a big topic. And um, I just think the invitation here is 
you know, begin, do the work of noticing where you lack intimacy in your life, where you're not really engaged, where you're not really looking, where you're distracting yourself. And just start getting curious to why that is. And um, the more that we can be intimate in our lives, the more, the more love we're going to feel. Awesome. Well, let's bring Alexi on and uh, continue this amplified conversation. Let's do it. All right, amplifiers, we have an especially radiant, beautiful, kick-ass, powerful guest for you today. It's so funny. Uh, Brie and I came on to Zoom to record this podcast, and we just led an event last night, so we both look like a, a hot mess. And then Alexi comes on, and she looks like this radiant goddess. Her <laughs> hair is all beautiful. Um, so I felt like we had to add that. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> I want to have context of yeah. what this interview is going to be like. <laughs> so let me all introduce you to Miss Alexi Panos. Uh, Alexi is a truth junkie, reality architect, transformational badass, and the new it girl on the personal development scene, leading with unique style and undeniable soul. Whether she's facilitating workshops for some of the world's brightest minds, inspiring YouTubers with her compelling video series or dishing her personal lessons and breakthroughs in her writings, Alexi shoots straight from the heart and takes no prisoners. She believes we can live big and be epic when we throw away our nasty programmed self-doubt and radically radiate our divine nature. Alexi has inspired hundreds of thousands of people to step into their personal greatness through her various multimedia speaking and give back platforms, her diverse background as a TV host, producer, philanthropist, and model gives her a leg up in the personal development space as she's redefining what it means to be quote-unquote spiritual, inspiring the lives of both young and old generations alike. Her nonprofit organization, Epic, Everyday People Initiating Change, has brought clean, sustainable water to tens of thousands of people in Africa over the last 10 years developed countless global leaders through their fellowship program and has brought her closer to her own personal truth throughout the journey. Welcome, Miss Alexi. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, so let's start off the way we always start off, Alexi. Tell us, what does it look like for you to live an amplified life? Uh, well, first of all, I love that word amplified. Um, Amplified to me means that you're turned on, that you are just like radiating at the highest frequency. You're saying yes to all those dreams and all those missions on your heart. And you're doing it unapologetically and you're doing it from the space of bigness where, you know, we're so used to living in a world of being small and dimming our light. But amplified means just shining and radiating it out because we know that it's our gift and to live that way unapologetically is truly why we're here. I love it. So let's talk about, since I know you do a lot of this work, what do you think is the maybe number one? I know that's hard to say. So one of the number one ways or reasons for why we tend to play small. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is we care what other people think, you know, and, and this was a part of my journey for so long where I was so consumed with how other people would perceive me and what judgments they were potentially making about me because ultimately the human species, we want to fit in. We want to meld into a tribe and 
that tribe, if we feel like that tribe is going to judge us and condemn us and, um, you know, basically want to separate themselves from us, then it, it hits our survival mechanisms. So it's a natural human quality to want to be liked and to want to be approved of. But we've let that get a little bit out of hand. And <laughs> we've unfortunately let that thing just like consume us. And we see it in our media. We see it in our magazines where it's this culture of, I have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, be a certain way, have a certain amount of intellect, go to a certain school, have a certain title or position, have X amount of followers in order to be approved of. And it's just simply not true. Mm. So, so tell us about your story. Um, like how did, oh, Brie, you had a question. I was just curious about, you know, like how did you go from kind of caring to maybe reining that caring in a little bit? Well, yeah, yeah. that's a lot of my question too, because you do come from that industry, you know, you come totally. from entertainment, <laughs> you come from modeling, you come from these areas where you have to give a shit what mm -hmm. people think. Mm -hmm. So what was that switch for you? And how do you, how did you kind of like manage that transformation? Yeah. You know, honestly, I had been in the entertainment and modeling industry since I was a kid. My mom used to be a talent agent. So I, I grew up seeing what it did to people. And I kind of saw behind the curtain with my mom being a talent agent, I would see all of her models, you know, and I'm five, six, seven years old at her office. And I'd see all of her models coming in and talking about their castings and this, this and that. And I just saw this constant quest for approval. And in that industry, in the entertainment business, it's you're constantly being told no. You're constantly being told you're not enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not commercial enough. You're not high fashion enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not big enough. You're not curvy enough. I mean, you name it. You are being told that you are not fitting into their mold. And I saw how damaging that could be to people. And there was a point when I was in my early 20s after a particularly um, hardcore traumatic event that I went through where I was raped and sexually assaulted, where my, my self-esteem was just shattered, shattered, completely shattered. And I remember at that point, I was in the industry, um, in the music industry, segueing back into modeling and entertainment. I let all that stuff get to me so bad. And I literally just felt consumed by trying to mold myself into what I thought they wanted me to be so that I could fit in, so I could get the job, so that I could pay my bills, so I could survive. And at one point, I just found myself completely depleted and exhausted and not knowing who I was. And it was in one of my trips in Africa, um, in Tanzania, where we're in this community and, you know, these women are just so powerful and so incredible and so extraordinary. And they don't think about those things. And you can see the immense amount of happiness and gratitude and celebration that they live and lead their lives from. And it was in those moments where I just, I saw how different I was from that, how lost I was and how separate I was from my own joy just through seeing the joy of these women who, you know, seemingly have quote unquote nothing, who don't have clean water, who don't have um, electricity, who sometimes don't even have a roof over their heads, and yet they're tapped into their joy. And it really got me down the path of 
coming back home to myself. And it certainly wasn't an overnight journey. You know, it certainly was. I feel like that'll be the journey I'm on my entire lifetime. But um, that's when it all started. And that's when I truly started to, to peel away the layers of what society had laid out for me and said, you know what? We all have within us exactly what we need. We've just been looking in the wrong direction. We've been looking out there instead of in here. And I started looking inside and that's when everything shifted for me. Awesome. So I love that you talked about how like this is going to be your journey for the rest of your life because yes, I think oftentimes with the self-development industry, you know, and just the society we live in in general, we want that quick fix. We want that hit. We want that drug. We want that thing that's just going to fix it. And then it'll be over and it'll be done with. Right. <laughs> I, I have so many clients come to me and I teach them something or learn something. They're like, okay, I got it. Now yeah. what? <laughs> now what do I do? Now what? Exactly. You're like, um, do you actually have it or did you practice it once? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> so, I'm confused. <laughs> so question for you on those days now, because I know we all still have them when you're not finding the joy or when you're struggling or when you're frustrated or those kinds of things, like how do you, one, do you allow that within yourself? Because so often I also feel in the industry, we're like, well, just be positive, right? Yeah, like, which is you'll be like fine. my biggest freaking trigger. I hate that. Yeah. So <laughs> one, how do you allow yourself to be in that space? And two, then how do you tap back into that joy, tap back into yourself to find your way back to that path again? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a saying that the only way out is through. And that has never been more true for myself and my clients. Um, you know, a deep ethos of my work is that sadness and um, the feelings of anxiousness and anger and um, feeling lost, all of that is here for us to teach us something. It's here to guide us into something. It's like a smoke alarm going off in your house saying, hey, something's off. Something's off. And for the most part, like you were talking about, Brie, people want to just spiritually bypass it, take the batteries out and be like, that is so freaking annoying. Like, I just don't want to hear the alarm. Just shut up. And That's we take what the I do, by right. the way, when my smoke alarm's going off. Yeah, I know. I'm totally guilty of that as well, by the way. And we take the batteries out and we're like, screw it. I just don't want to hear it anymore. And meanwhile, something's off, right? Something's off within the house. And when it's our house, we have to be a detective and figure out what's actually off, like what's out of alignment in our bodies where our emotions are being a, sig a signal. You know, they're signifying to us that something is out of alignment. So it's, it's really just, for me, I've changed my relationship to emotions. I used to make the emotions bad, especially um, early on in my personal development journey when I was studying the people who are all about like positive affirmations and just reframing your story and blah, 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 blah. I felt bad and wrong for having off days. And now I recognize that the off days are a part of life. Like, just like there's rainy days outside, there's sunny days outside. Just like there's tornadoes, there's, you know, beautiful, clear weather. Just like there's death, there's life. And I think when we stop making the quote unquote bad things bad, and we just start accepting that it's a part of life, then our whole relationship to it shifts. And then we can say, okay, how do I want to be with what's here? What do I want to use this for? Because everything is here for us if we choose to see it that way. So I just look at my emotions and I allow myself to experience it, not in the terms of like being a victim and a martyr and you know, like going down that hole, but 
Um, but in just acknowledging them and saying, okay, I'm experiencing sadness right now. And I'm not even sure why this particular event triggered it, but there's something deeper in there that's, that's sitting in me that doesn't feel right. And so I'll sit with my sadness for as long as I need to until I uncover what the cause of it is, till I uncover why it's like beeping in that fire alarm going, hey, there's smoke somewhere. So I find the smoke and then I put out the fire. But I, I also know that putting out the fire doesn't mean that there's never going to be sadness again, or there's never going to be feelings of unworthiness, or there's never going to be feelings of anger, because all of those are part of the human experience. It's a part of life. And we have just been like chasing good. We have been chasing good for far too long. And we don't get that that is the exact root of all of our suffering is that we're chasing good. Oh, so good. I love this conversation. I just recently wrote a uh, blog post myself on the um, tyranny of positivity and how our obsession with positivity is actually creating a less resilient collective, a less resilient culture. Uh, oh, I love that. We can't, we can't handle stuff as it comes up. And what I'm seeing a lot, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is that in the self-development world specifically, we're most of us are operating from a world that we want to like the world that we want versus the world that it is. Yes. yes. And while I guess some of that is great that you're idealistic and that you see the greatness in the world, but if we're not using the tools to address the world as it is, yes, we can't develop the world that we want. I love that. I think that's so powerful because listen, it's, it's a dance between presence and possibility. Mm. possibility is amazing possibility it's it's the thing that drives human nature like we want to grow we want to expand we want to evolve we want to get better but there's life yeah. <laughs> you know and it's like what is present here and now is it's it's whatever it is and if we're choosing to just stay in the possibility of what it can be we're missing the gold of what's here and we can't truly address a systemic issue of what's here until we're truly present with what's here. And I think a lot of people have these idealistic views of how we want the world to be and how things get to change. And I'm going to be a stand for that. And yes, 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 yes. And what are you doing in the now moment with what's here and what's available to address what's happening? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, that's the exact same thing can be applied to ourselves. Totally. We get so obsessed with how we should be, you know, yes. how we want to be our future selves that we forget to be radically present with where we are and honoring our limitations and honoring our messy and that yes. in that vehicle, we arrive at our possibility. Absolutely. I want to read that article, by the way. Oh, <laughs> This is so good. The dance between presence and possibility. Brie just quoted that to me. She's like, so good. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, it is difficult because I, I especially, you know, deal so much with like manifestation and co-creation and really looking into your future and creating that vision. And I have had a few people push back on me and be like, well, you know, but then I feel like I'm not being present and it is a dance. Like it is, you yes. have to be in the present moment, you know, feel the experiences that are coming up for you right now. And you can still then look to the past and look to the present. Um, so I'm curious for you, how much, like, do you have a, any rituals or things that you do to kind of play, like play that dance? Do you spend more time 
in the presence or in the possibility? Like what, how does that look like in your life? Yeah. Um, you know, something that just came to mind as you said that is the possibility of our future vision is actually occurring in the present moment, right? Like who we are in this now moment, the actions we're taking, the, the words we're choosing, the way of being that we're exemplifying out to the world and to ourselves is ultimately creating our future possibility. So it is essentially the same thing, right? It's in essence the same thing. So I think for me, you know, there's a lot of people that have the theory of, you know, write out your 10-year vision and like post it everywhere, put vision boards here and here and here. And I used to do that. And all of that's great. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But if I'm not making decisions in the present moment to be my highest self and to move deeper into alignment with the truth of who I am, then it doesn't matter if I'm moving towards that vision or that vision or that vision. Because if I'm doing it out of alignment in the now, then I'm just chasing some future, some idea, some possibility that might even just be a societal implant in my brain, you know, where it's like, you should want this life. You should want the house on the beach. You should want the car that looks like this and the husband and the kids and all that stuff versus going, what's in my highest alignment right now? What feels good in my body? What feels like a stretch? What feels like a challenge? What feels like I'm honoring my gifts? And for me, honestly, like I always come back to it and it's so simple, but nature is like the freaking it's everything. <laughs> it's the answer. Nature gives us everything we ever need to know because the, the possibility of the oak tree in a seed has always been there. It's always been there, but it starts out as a seed in this present moment. It's a seed. So what does a seed need in the present moment? Well, it needs soil. It needs a particular type of light and water and nutrients and every single day, it's going to need different things. Just like a baby. You think about developing a baby in a woman's body. Every single day, it needs different nutrients and different things. But its possibility is endless, right? It's going to be this human with infinite possibilities and different life paths. And who knows what's going to happen? But if, we, if we're living in that future idea of someday, we're never actually making decisions that matter right now. So I think... I Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just, mm, I'm, I'm just saying preacher girl. <laughs> so I, I did a scandalous thing the other day or the other month. Scandalous. Uh, scandalous uh, hashtag first world white woman problems. Uh, but I, I decided to throw away my vision board. Yes. And, uh, you know, I love the, the process of creating vision boards with your girlfriends and talking about possibilities. I think we all do. We love that energy of talking about what's possible. But then every time I stared at my vision board, I just felt deeply inadequate for not having that right now. Yeah. And yeah. I just kept thinking, wow, that really sucks that I've been staring at that same picture for nine months and I'm still, I still in no way, shape or form have that in my life. I must not be doing enough, working hard enough, you know, all the enoughness. Yeah. And uh, I really had to realize and come to terms with that just doesn't inspire me. To yeah. some people, it is radically inspiring to them and they see it as a, a fuel of possibility that keeps them moving. But to me, it wasn't inspiring me. And so giving ourselves that permission to really look at what that balance looks like for us. For me, That's it's it. more presence than possibility. For Brie, I know it's more possibility than presence. And yeah. um, it's, it's what works what works for you right now? What works yep. tomorrow, the next day, et cetera? Totally. I love that you're bringing that up. I read somewhere and I don't know where, so I'm sorry whoever wrote this, but I hope <laughs> to one day quote you. Um, I read somewhere that there's 
uh, six different types of people. There is the future positive, the future negative. There's a present positive, present negative, past positive, past negative. And that means our focus. So there are certain people who are future focused and some are geared and lean more towards the positive, more towards the negative, same for present and same for past. So if you start looking at your life through that lens, like what am I actually focused on? Some people instantly, like you can think of people in your life and you're like, oh, they're past negative. They're the people who talk about the past and they're, they're victims to their past and everyone's an asshole and blah, 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 blah. Then there's people who are past positive, who are reminiscent of the past and living in the past highlights and the heydays and all that stuff. And there's people who are present and like present to like the gift and the beauty and the magic. And then, then there's also people who are looking for what's not working right now, right? And we can really start to see ourselves in that paradigm. And like you said, if you can figure out where you skew, where your focus lies, you can really start to find out what motivates you. So if you are a future person, then vision boards and affirmations and all that stuff might be really powerful for you. If you're a presence person, maybe going for a walk in nature or somewhere really beautiful or being with someone you love is enough for you to really tap into that juiciness, right? And if you're someone from the past, maybe reframing your past and, you know, having images around of beautiful, positive moments from your past will support you in having a more positive now. So we really do have to know where we, where we skew our focus and then work within ourselves and within our own needs to develop what works for us. That's really interesting. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah. My question would be, so I am future positive. Mm-hmm. hands down absolutely and I've been doing a lot more to bring in like present positive stuff so yeah. what's your view then on pulling like knowing where you lie but then trying to I guess it's that com- conversation of like strength so I know I'm strong in this area do I try to bring up my weaknesses or- uh, I love this question love this question yeah because I don't know about you girls, but I'm one of those people I like to like classify myself as much as possible. So I'm taking like personality tests and strength finders. <laughs> like, how can I classify myself one more time? Yes. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that can't <laughs> right? <laughs> that all being said, like, okay, so I'm an INFJ. Cool. Awesome. But does that not mean that with that awareness, now I can kind of rise above a personality type? You know, yes, I am a, I, I actually am a present positive person, but I'm working on being more of a possibility, future positive person where I'm leaning deeper into that. So I do believe that we can work on the areas we want to work on. It doesn't mean we have to have them all down pat, but you know, like you said, if you've got strengths in a certain area and you know that there's areas of improvement that you're like, man, that would really support what I'm up to in the world. That would really support my communication with my family and my friends, or that would really support who I am as a human being, then hell yeah. Like you can absolutely learn anything. And it's just a matter of being willing to have that growth mindset and be in the game and fail a bunch of times and look stupid and get back up and do it again. But there are some things that maybe you don't necessarily need in your life and you're okay with, with not having. So I really think it's a personal choice, but I absolutely, like my work is and my husband's work, we're always looking at figuring out how we identify and then how can we rise above the identification. 
Yeah. Awesome. And also clearly since we're opposites, maybe we should hang out more often and like balance each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Well, it's just also really interesting. I mean, this is something that I know uh, spiritual women do a lot too, which is, well, I'm a Gemini. So obviously that's, that's why I do what I do. <sighs> yes. And then they don't take any responsibility for the shittiness of what just happened. It's right. because they're Gemini. Well, I am an I and blah, blah, blah. So I can't possibly go out to an event that's outside right. of my comfort zone, but that would actually be really good for me. And so it's really learning how to use these labels, like you said, and then stepping outside of them, knowing that we are beyond any label and a label does not hook us off of the responsibility of the impact of our actions. Yes, absolutely. And listen, labels are based on our personality type, which is a product of our identity, which is a product of our ego. So if you want to talk like spiritual core, you are everything and nothing all at the same time, right? So it's like you are introvert, you are extrovert. You are, you know, an ENFP and an INFP. Like spirit doesn't have a label because it is, it is all. But identity, personality, ego absolutely has a, a label because it's got all these different things that have shaped it. So of course, it's going to have certain things that it leans towards. And whether it's your birth sign or what, however we want to label ourselves, yes, it's true with a lowercase t to some extent, but it's not capital T true because the capital T truth of who we are is, is everything. So we can embody all of which we see in everybody else, the only way we can see it and recognize it is because we have it within ourselves. And we can also choose not to embody that. So it really is, it boils down to choice for sure. Oh my gosh, I love it. So let's talk real quick um, before we wrap up, like what's next for you? Like what's exciting you? What are you, you know, kind of stepping into? Like maybe what's a, a challenge that you're experiencing as you're stepping into this new thing? Like tell yeah. us um, well, you know what's interesting? I I am a classic overachiever. <laughs> like, oh, classic. We have a great club started. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to need a full membership. <laughs> I am a classic overachiever and I have so many ideas and I'm like one of those people that I believe I can do anything. So it's like, if I have an idea, it's like, great. I'll just start it and do it and figure it out. And that's worked really well for me my entire life. And I'm, I'm finally at the point at 33 where I'm getting essential. I'm like, okay, yes, I have all these great ideas. Yes, I can do all these different things. Yes, I can serve in all these different ways. Yes, I could build more of an impact if I did X, Y, and Z a thousand different times. But what's essential? What's essential? Like I boil down to like what's essential in my work, what's essential in my relationship, what's essential in my environment, what's essential in my service. If I boil down to that and really just go so deep on what's essential, then it just, it leaves room. And room is something, space is something that I am so not used to, <laughs> like having room on my plate. You know, it's like, oh, there's room here. You know, I'm the person who at a buffet fills my plate with everything. And in the buffet of life, I'm, I'm choosing and consciously and intentionally practicing what it's like to leave some space. And that's been really hard for me, like really hard for me to slow down because I am practiced in achieving. I'm practiced in doing. I'm practiced in, you know, um, accomplishments. So for me, 
that has been probably the biggest challenge of my life is saying no to things that are really exciting. Um, and leaving space, leaving space for possibility again, because I'm such a present person, like, let's just do this right now that I'm leaving space for possibility, possibility of a family, possibility of just magic, you know, like who knows what it is, but I, I just want to play with space because that is not something that I'm very good at yet. <laughs> yeah. Brie and I have been experiencing a lot of that too, but for us, it's more of a universe induced space more than ah. us choosing space. <laughs> uh, so we've definitely been navigating the challenge of um, really stepping back from that achiever and sitting with what's here and, yeah, it's really amazing how challenging that is for ah, us in our society. Totally, especially if you're so used to like I'm so used to being defined by my achievements. Like mm -hmm. since I was little, you know, I was a good student, I was a good athlete, I was creative, I had a business at a young age. So I was constantly getting feedback that if I do, then I'm worthy, then I'm good, then I'm, you know, a step above the rest. And who am I without that? Who am I without all the dues? Who am I without keeping up with all the people in my industry who have this kind of course and this kind of course? Like, who am I if I don't do that? And I've been really sitting in that question and letting that unpack. And it's been awesome and challenging and scary and expanding. It's been great. Oh, so I good. So I just, people, oh, go ahead. I Brie. was going to say, I was just gifted a book called The One, and it's a similar concept where you. Oh, yes. I yeah. love that book. I, I've just read the intro so far, but um, I'm really excited to get into it. And it is about focusing on like one thing and yeah. how fucking uncomfortable it is yes. for yes. us to just pick, like pick one thing and pick do one. one thing really well. And it's like, but, 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 you know, exactly. I, <laughs> I started working with um, some marketing people and they were like, get off LinkedIn, get off Twitter, get off Instagram. And I was like, okay, I'm putting my foot down with the Instagram thing. And they were like, yeah. no. <laughs> like pick one and I'm like god damn it it's so hard that intimacy with that one thing I know I know it's because there's so many options now especially I mean we see it in everything we see it in business we see it in social media we see it in dating like there are so many options that it's hard to commit it's really hard to commit. You know, my mom used to joke when we moved from Brazil to the U.S., she would spend hours at the grocery store because just picking a fucking toothpaste <laughs> took like, you know, half an hour because there's so many options. And there's definitely a thing of like overwhelm of options and how in many ways this consumeristic obsession with all of the options is actually really hurting our, not only our productivity from the standpoint of, of being more uh, effective, but also in our ability to just be with what is. Yeah, it's so true. It's so mm. true. Well, we're excited to continue this conversation with you in our extended cut. If you want to hear more about what Alexi has to share in the world, please join our Facebook group, beamplified.community. Uh, Alexi, where can people learn about you and your work? You can check me out all over the web at alexipanos.com or at alexipanos on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I love it. Go check out her YouTube. It's fantastic. She is, she's an artist in front of a camera. Aw, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, and guys. We will continue this on uh, Facebook. If mm -hmm. you want to find us anywhere else, you can go at the Amplify Co. on all the socials. And again, um, join us in our community at theamplified.community. Peace. <laughs> and grace. <laughs> <laughs>